Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Uh, Good morning, Life Church. It's good to be here with you. And I treasure my relationship with Pastor Sonny and Pastor Sean. They've uh, been a blessing to us in uh, Canada the years that we've known them. And it's a, a real joy to be here with you. Actually, it's a privilege to be here with you. We've heard so many great things about you, what God has been doing amongst you. And we, we really thank God for His blessings upon your life, our life. Um, thank you to Pastor Dallas also for giving us this opportunity and thank you to Pastor Barry for being an amazing host. Um, I've tried to dress as cool as possible, as good as Pastor Sean and Pastor Dallas. Um, Pastor Sean, when he comes to Toronto, he says, um, the, the, what, kind of, what kind of clothing you want me to wear this morning? Uh, one time I said to him, as long as you got some clothing on, it's okay. <laughs> um, it's a joy to have with me, uh, Pastor Mickey, uh, will you stand? Uh, she's been my companion for 48 years and she's been a co-pastor with me during the years in uh, Toronto. Um, a lot of the testimony and the life stories in this book, there's only a few copies. I'm okay to sign them if you want. Um, if the copies run out, uh, there's a Kindle version on amazon.com.ca.it, whichever you want. Uh, but there's a Kindle version um, of, of that. Um, I, I've, I was asked to, to, to tell my story today, and I want to do it around the story of Samuel. I want to put a biblical context to it. Will you read it with me in First Samuel 3? Meanwhile... The boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. It's always sad when messages from the Lord is rare. It's always sad when God is not speaking anymore. Um, You can have the Logos Word of God, but it is better to have the Rima Word of God, the spoken Word of God. Um, Verse 2, one night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed, so he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling. So he said to Samuel, go, lie down again, and if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called us before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. As Samuel was, grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be Reliable. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel 
there at the tabernacle. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to each one of us today. Let the Holy Spirit show forth his power and glory and let your name be magnified, Jesus. In your name we ask, amen and amen. Uh, I was intrigued as a boy by the story of of Samuel. All the characters in the Old Testament were amazing, but Samuel stood out and he had to learn to, to decipher, to, uh, to recognize the voice of the Lord. Each one of us has to learn to recognize when God is speaking. There's three voices that you, uh, you hear. I know psychologists say when you hear voices, there's something wrong with you. But the fact is, we all, everyone hears voices. There's a self-talk that is happening within us continually. And it can be either your voice, it can be the devil's voice, or it can be God's voice. And you, you need to learn to, to decipher when it is uh, God's voice. Now, someone said... This is not politically correct, but someone said, some, sometimes men have got the wife's voice also in their head. So you need to, you need to learn that. And what I've found in my life, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what God has done in us. But what, what, what helped me decipher God's voice is the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I won't let you... St- Lift your hand how many people believe or are filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was great to see those people come forward. Uh, but what, what made a difference in my life was the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. Now I know there's such bad publicity about tongues. Um, I've done nine years of university. I still cannot fully understand the concept of tongues, but I've been practicing tongues ever since I was 16 years old and has made a huge difference in my life. I would never be what I am today without the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the prayer language of speaking in tongues. Above all else, after the initial evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongues become the prayer language The fastest way to go to God is speaking in tongues. Because Paul says, you're speaking directly from your spirit to the spirit of God. You're bypassing your conscious mind. And and it is powerful. And I've been, I'm going to say it in my story, but I've been practicing speaking in tongues ever since I was 16 years old. Every day I speak in tongues. It's good to speak in tongues uh, today, even while you're driving. People think you're speaking on the phone while you're driving. So they're not going to think you're cuckoo while you're speaking in tongues. But I tell you, who cares about what people say? It's what God says that matters. And it's what the Word of God says that is more important than anything else. And the Bible says, he who speaks in tongues does not speak to man. He speaks to God. Howbeit in the Spirit you speak mysteries, and listen to this now, and you edify yourself. You build your faith up. One of the best ways to build your faith after reading God's Word is you speak in tongues unto God. And in the worst circumstances of your life, speaking in tongues will, will help you immensely. I, I want to be like Samuel. He heard God's voice. And that was my desire as a child. Um, God can speak to you like he spoke to Samuel. How many believe that this morning? God can speak to you as he spoke to Samuel. Now, that does not, when I was at Bible college, there were people that used to pray for, when they used to go and buy trousers, they used to pray for trousers to make sure it was the right trousers. And they used to, they used to want to hear God speak. What should I eat for breakfast? And you know, God has given you an intellect. Use your intellect. But there are many times you do not know what to do 
That's when you need God to speak to you. Other times, God gives you wisdom. God gives you understanding. But you will come across roads in your life where you need to hear God speak to you because you do not know which path to take. That's when God will intervene in your life and your life will experience an amazing journey. And that's been my experience. Uh, I, I like this hymn that we used to sing years ago. Oh, give me Samuel here, the, the open ear, O oh Lord, alive and quick to hear each whisper of thy word. Like him to answer at thy call and to obey thee, first of all. Or give me Samuel's heart, a lowly heart that waits, where in thy house thou art, or watches at thy gates by day and night, a heart that still moves at the breathing of thy will. That's been my experience ever since a young person. Um, a few days ago, uh, we celebrated my 70th birthday. Pastor Sonny and Pastor Sean were there, and it was amazing. Um, and people often ask, how does it feel to be a 70? Now, the, the, sometimes I like to answer, wait until you get there. But how does it feel to be a 70? It feels not different than when I was 20, 30, 40, 50. It's just a number. Your mind uh, has developed even more. Your body does not want to do what you tell it to do. But otherwise, being a 70 is it's you in a more mature way. But when I look back at my life, what God has done in my life, amazing things that God has done in my life. I, I grew up uh, in a very humble, uh, humble family. It's my family uh, when I was uh, seven years old. Uh, my dad, my mom, I have two sisters and two brothers. I'm the second in the family. And at that time, I lived in that particular habitation. Uh, show the next slide. That's where I lived. I lived there for seven, seven years of my life. There used to be a custom uh, at, the, at the border back in the 1600s and 1700s. And my family, my parents, which were not well off, uh, it looked a little bit better than that at that time, but this is a picture I took when I was traveling lightly in Italy. Where there is that window, that would have been my... Our kitchen would have been our bedroom, would have been our lounge. Uh, it was not a huge space. Um, we used to play games in there as kids. That, that's all we had at that time. And, and this, um, the road that you see there, that's the Appian Way. I was told this morning that there's an Appian Way in Green Bay. That's interesting. So that was the Appian Way. It is believed that's where the Apostle Paul traveled when he walked from uh, Pozzuoli near Naples to Rome, when he was going to Rome, the Appian Way. And that was the main uh, road where you could go from Rome to Naples in those days. Now they've got other highways. Uh, next slide is the, the Vespa a three-wheeler, that, that was the car that my family had. We used to be, all the kids used to go in the back of the, of the car. You didn't sit, you, you sat on the floor or you stood. And my mom and dad were, were in, the, in the front part. That's how we used to go to church. At least three times a week we were in church. Um, then my parents, after, after we moved to a larger city, I did my, my, I finished my primary school. I did my high school years. I did third year high school in Italy. And then my parents decided to go to Australia. Um, obviously, God was leading everything. And that's the boat that we traveled on to go to Australia. It took 31 days. 
because the Suez Canal in 1967 was closed because there was the war in the Middle East and the Suez Canal. Uh, it would have taken two weeks if we went through the Suez Canal and uh, it took 31 days. We had to circumnavigate Africa, which to me was an amazing time as a 14-year-old. As I, I went in every corner of that ship. I knew every every part of within three days. So I got a little bit bored in the 31 days because I saw every part of that ship, including first class. I sneaked in first class. And the next slide is in Australia. That's us growing up. And that's the car we used to go to church. Then I joined... My passion was soccer. I joined the soccer team as a 15-year-old. And uh, I used to go to every training, every game. My parents did not understand English, so they were not with me. Uh, I, I, I had to find my own way. Um, and then uh, the Lord started to speak uh, to me because at 15 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. This decision I've taken is give my life to Jesus because it means I was, I was saved from all the wrong things that can happen in the teenage years. The Lord guarded me. At 16 years old, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. Um, and again, that was, that was a great experience. I started to become... Uh, I started to become sensitive to the presence of God uh, like never before. Uh, as, as young people, we used to seek God. We used to love going to church, pray meetings. Uh, we, we, we grew up uh, in revivals, which was, which was a, a blessing. At 17 years old, uh, we started to, with the pastor's son, uh, I, was, I grew up in a... In a in a full Italian-speaking church for many years. And then we started the youth service in the English language. Sunday school was in English. So youth service was in English. Mine service was fully Italian. If you're trying to work out my accent, my accent is mixed up. It's between Italian, American, Canadian, New Zealander, uh, and who else, what else it is. So it's not an Australian accent. It's completely mixed up. My wife's accent is fully, fully uh, Australian, much more than me. And so uh, at 17, as we started to lead the youth. Um, and then the Lord said, I want you to go to Bible college. Now, people say, how does the Lord speak? Do you hear an audible voice? Well, God can speak in so many different ways. Sometimes it can be an audible voice just to you. No one else hears it. You hear it. Just like Paul, when he got saved on the way to Damascus, he heard, he heard the voice of Jesus. But the soldiers did not hear the voice of Jesus. Only Paul heard the voice of Jesus. Who are thou, O Lord? I'm the, I'm the Jesus that you are persecuting. Um, and the next question Paul asked, what would you have me to do, Lord? And the Lord explained what he had to do. Those are two good questions. Who are you, Jesus? And what would you have me to do? And when, when, you, when you surrender your life to Jesus, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, there comes this desire in you to want to serve God more than anything else. The Lord becomes number one in your life. And that's what happened with me. And so the Lord started knocking. Somewhere, somewhere in my being, I knew I had to go to Bible college. And, and then I started to find out which Bible college and the Lord directed me to a, uh, to a Bible college that was in New Zealand. But before that happened, I had a bit of a conversation with the Lord. Lord, I love soccer. You know how much I love soccer. And the coach is ready to put me in the first team. And now I need to leave to go to Bible college. I, I, I've, 
I've, I was passionate about soccer all my life, Lord. You know, I played hours in the streets in Italy and now I'm on the team. That was, that was the joy of my life. But I said, Lord, I want to obey you. If you take the desire of playing soccer, this passion from me, I will go to Bible college. I went to training one night, uh, soccer training, and I remember vividly as I, was, as I was training, in my heart I started to say, what am I doing here? I, I don't belong here. Uh, and, and for some reason, all that desire that I had to be a passionate soccer player just left me. And then I knew that God confirmed that I had to go to Bible college. Now the desire for soccer continued. I'm a, I, I watch soccer. I, I love watching soccer. My body doesn't obey me no more, so I can't play soccer. But in my mind, I can play extremely well. And so I went to Bible college. There were some of the great years of my life where I started to know more and more about God, uh, the Word of God. It was, it was great years. I learned about the anointing. I learned about the presence of God. And I've learned how God provides when you, you have needs. I, I went to Bible college with about $60 in my pocket, I never needed anything. I had to pay for tuition. I had to pay for room and board. Uh, the Lord, I went Saturday. On the Monday, I had a part-time job that was going to cover all my expenses. New Zealand was a new country to, to me. I was only 19 years old. I had just migrated from Italy. Only four years, uh, five years in Australia. And now, next migration. But I would not be here today and not been for the Bible college. And then the Bible college opened other doors. At Bible college, I started to, to feel the, the, the desire and the need to have a companion. And I said, Lord, I made a list of who I could have chosen. Boom, boom, boom. And then I said, Lord, it's so difficult to choose a wife. How do you do it? You need, to, you need to read the chapter in my book, Finding the Right Spouse. I had no idea, no idea. I was never taught to, to guide you in finding a spouse. I was actually afraid. You make the wrong decision. It's going gonna, it's gonna to ruin you for life. And so I needed to have the right guidance. And so the Holy Spirit led me to pray 45 minutes a day to find the right spouse. I remember I prayed for about five, six months. After the first year, I went home for a holiday, but I had been praying five, five months or so. Every night between five and six, it was my prayer time specifically that the Lord would lead me to the right spouse. Now, I know that sounds that I'm coming from Mars for most of you. But I tell you, I'm so glad I spent time in prayer to find the right spouse. Oh, just a few weeks ago, we, we celebrated 48 years of marriage. We have... We have three children, all married, all with Jesus, all serving the Lord, and we have seven grandchildren, and that's been the blessing of God upon my life. Many times I think, if I would have chosen anyone on my list, it would have been disaster. Because uh, uh, did, you ever, did you ever get the opportunity to meet the person that you thought you were going to marry? And in your heart, you say, thank God I didn't go for that person. That's a few years after, right? And, and, and so, going back to Adelaide, the Lord led me to Mickey. And we got married in 1976. Then we went to Melbourne uh, to do internship. The next slide, we on the train 
going to Melbourne, 1975, sorry, we got married. 1975, we got to Melbourne. We spent a year there. While I was there, the Lord, uh, we, we had to work to make uh, hands meet. Mickey worked, I worked. In those days, only the senior pastor gets paid. No one else got paid in those days, in Australia at least. And, and then being at, uh, at, uh, at uh, I was at a university as the day man cleaner. I had the uniform on. I had to make sure there was the right, uh, the paper in the toilets, uh, washroom, soap. That was my job. <clears throat> but, I did, but I had so much time to speak to students about Jesus that they called me the university chaplain. So I, I spent most of the day, I was speaking to people about Jesus, which was amazing. But there, I started to get the desire to go back to university. I had left high school to go to Bible college and uh, in Australia. I, I did not finish year 12 and I went to Bible college just before I finished year 12. And, and then the Lord puts upon my heart to go to, to, to uh, university, but I just kept it as a thought. We returned to Adelaide and I got a job um, delivering cakes from uh, the, the factory to the shops. I was driving a combi van. The only good thing about that job, I could eat all the pastry I wanted every morning, fresh. The only good thing. But I found myself desiring more. I says, Lord, what am I doing driving this combi van? I finished Bible college. Uh, I, I, I have a desire to serve you. I want to see more things happening. What am I doing? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly. You need to go to university. I said, I can't go to university. And I gave the Lord the many reasons. And also, Lord, we don't need education to be effective in the ministry. I just need you. So that discussion, me and the Lord went on for about a year and a half. Because I grew up in a background well, all you needed was the anointing of God. You did not need education, uh, which was a huge mistake. I'm a great believer of education today, and I'm a great believer of the anointing. The two got together. You do not put your, your faith on education. You put your faith in God. Gives you the anointing. But education is important to expand your mind. I didn't understand that. And so, long story, you read all the details in the book. Long story, I ended up going to university. I majored in Italian and physical education. And then the Lord spoke to us again. I want you to go to Italy. I said, how are we going to go to Italy, Lord? We're married. We already have one child. Impossible. Uh, and the Lord made a way. The Lord prepared prepared the finances. The Lord opened the door. But what God did in an amazing way, the church was not happy that we were going to, leaving to go to Italy. I, I was a very important part of the church. I was worship leader. I, I was taking care of the youth within the church. Very busy within the church. And, and the church says, what are you going to go and do in Italy? Most of them were migrants from Italy. And they were thinking, you want to go back to Italy. It doesn't make sense. But one Sunday morning, three weeks before we had to depart. We had made all the arrangements. We went in Italy, 1980. And we had made all the arrangements. A pastor that knew nothing about us came to church that morning. We were sitting in a third row, in the middle third row. And, and this pastor, uh, when he got up to speak, he said, before I speak, I've got a word for a few people. He, he, he pointed at us and he said, that couple of them stand. We stood. He said, the decision you're taking is of the Lord. There was a hush on all the congregation because everyone was saying, you're making a mistake. What are you doing? And my parents and my in-laws thought I was crazy. You're going to make my daughter suffer by taking her to Italy. What are you doing? But the pastor says, what you're doing is of the Lord. And then he gave us three scriptures, and one of the scriptures he gave us from was from Revelation. 
God will open doors that no man can shut. God will close doors that no man can open. And I tell you, that prophecy has helped us and guided us all of our lives. Amazing. Because many times in our lives, God has shut doors, God has opened doors. God has shut doors, God has opened doors. And proving to us is, is he, he was with us. We went, we went to Italy six months. There was plenty for me to do. I was preaching three, four times a week in different churches, north, south. We, we uh, uh, bought a car. Show some slides of Italy. Let's see. The, what's the first one? That's us. We're doing a bit of sightseeing. With a pastor. This pastor here was used of God to introduce us to Italy. That's 1980. Um, and we, Mickey and I and the son, Andre. The next slide, that's the car that we, we used for about seven months in Italy. God provided us a car uh, from a pastor. It was miraculous how God intervened. A great testimony about Italy. You notice the car? And I put a purse on, on the back of the car. So I, I, I put gas in a service station. And I forgot the purse in the back of the car. And we drove about three or four kilometers. Now, this was a car with gears. When you put the first, second gear, the car jumps. But within three or four kilometers, all of a sudden, someone on a Vespa, next slide. No, it's not the person. This is just a, a, a photo of the Google. <laughs> But this it was a young man on a, on a Vespa knocked a, at the windscreen of the car and he says, hey, your purse is in the back. Now what's the likelihood of a purse go back to the car? Look how small the trunk of the car is. What's the likelihood and that purse had our passports and all the money that we had was in that purse. On top of that, if you know anything about Italy, no one would give you a purse that is found on the back of the trunk. The guy on the Vespa would have taken that and goodbye. They would not have knocked on the windscreen and said, hey, there's a purse. And we were overjoyed that day because when you take steps in God, you do not always have great days. You will go through, through many trials and tribulations. And that day, we were going through one of the worst days of Italy because we had lost the tickets that, that were going to take us to the next route. We'd, we lost it. We found out later that someone uh, from my house had... Uh, a boy wanted to see what we had and had dispersed the, the, the tickets. And, and so that day, when that happened, we says, God is with us. What an amazing presence of God in saving us from losing, uh, losing that purse. From, from Italy, we accepted the invitation to go to Montreal, Canada as assistant pastor of a large church, bilingual church. We took care of the English side of the church. We were there three years. We had three years with the senior pastors, uh, served under two senior pastors. Amazing, uh, two years with one, one year with, with another. Amazing uh, opportunities that God gave us. One year we baptized 60 people. That's 1991, 82, 83. Then the Lord spoke to us. You need to return back to Australia. And we had no idea how to, how to do that. What, how are we going to do it? Uh, what about the finances? And the Lord directed us uh, to approach uh, a movement that we had been uh, uh, grown up with and ask them if they, would, if they would consider us as missionaries to Australia. Uh, and they said yes, because God was in it. We itinerated about 120 churches 
in the uh, eastern, eastern part of the United States, after which we went to Australia. We went to Australia as missionaries and church planters. And we started a church. God miraculously led us to start a church. Then we became senior pastors of the church that we grew up in. And then when, uh, when I was about 39, 40, I started praying, Lord, what else can I do in my life? What is the next step? In the, at that time, I was already traveling to Italy weeks at a time, doing ministry in Italy. Uh, sometimes I used to go five weeks, preach every night for five weeks. I think Italy is the only church, is the only place where churches, you can have services any night of the week. At least at that time, I'm not a, 100% sure. But you could have a, a service Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. And I, they used to book me five weeks every night. And we had great experiences um, and so on. And so I started praying, Lord, where would you have me? Uh, and when I got to 50 years old, I said, God is not going to move me anymore. Australia is the place where I'm going to retire and I conclude the ministry that God has given Mickey and I. And so I was not looking to move anymore. And then come, come 52, Mickey and I started to feel God is going to move us. And we didn't know, was it going to be Canada? Or was it going to be Italy? Because those are the, the places that we, we had been between Australia, Canada, and Italy, those are the places we were most knowledgeable of and we had worked. And then, uh, 26th of January, 2005, we received a letter from Toronto, Canada, inviting us to come in and be the pastor of the church. We, we had no idea, no idea uh, before that, that that was going to happen. And obviously, first response is Canada. I don't know. And we knew the church. The church had lost the pastor. The church was not doing really well. And we says, Lord, you don't want to send us to that church. It's, it's not the greatest church in the world. I'm 53 years old. I've got to start all over again. Uh, we had been uh, uh, successful in Australia as senior pastor, there's a great church, even we just came back from Australia, and a great church there, doing extremely well. And, and we were comfortable. And then we got a, we a 53 years old, we had to move nation. It, it's the wrong time to do it. But you don't argue with God. And we said, Lord, if it's you, we will obey. And the Lord, and we put some fleeces before the Lord. We said, Lord, we said, Lord if, if it's you, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen. And everything happened. Therefore, you're stuck now. You've got to do it. <laughs> so we went, we went to, to Toronto, Canada in 2005. For about three or four months, I was pastor of two churches. Toronto and Adelaide, until we found someone to take over the church in Adelaide. I was traveling back and forth um, uh, with, with, the, with the two churches. And then August 2005, uh, Mickey with the children, uh, with the one, sorry, the children came after. Mickey came in 2005, and we we started pastoring the church. The church grew from about 80 people to over 1,000 people in 18 years. Uh, we baptized over 800 people in, in that church in 18 years. And just last Sunday, we did a baptismal service of 10 people. And it was, it was amazing what God has done in our lives. When God moves you, when God speaks to you, God will provide and God will make you successful. God will back up His Word with signs and wonders when, he, when you are at the center of God's will. Now, uh, now we're in the stage of the next phase of our life. Lord, what would you have us to do? And we're in prayer time. And you know, and I'm so... 
I'm so relaxed about it because I can, I can go back to my life and see all the times God has spoken to us and now it has come to pass. Therefore, if God did it before, God will do it now. And so God, we're in a phase of, of seeing what's the next stage uh, of our life. I, w- I want to leave you with some very important principles uh, about, because most people in our congregations, uh, most people will say, oh, pastor, God only speaks to pastors. God only only directs pastors like that. I'm, I'm just an average Christian. And, and I like to disagree with you. I like to disagree with you. There's not first class or second class citizens in the kingdom of God. A pastor is called in the ministry, you called in the ministry. He might not be a pastor, but you are called to do something significant in God. You are called to do uh, something that will make a difference in your life, in your family, in the church, and in the community. God calls all of us. But if you want to, if you want to decipher and learn to distinguish God's voice from the rest, these are some of the things that we must do. We will receive the whispers of God if daily we walk in the light as He is in the light and learn to live a forgiven life according to 1 John 1, 9. You want to hear from God? Well, you need to live in the light as He is in the light. You're not perfect. No one is perfect. I'm not perfect. But I'm forgiven. And I come to the Lord when I make mistakes and I ask Him to forgive me. I need to be in the light as He is in the light. Number two, we will be more sensitive to the voice and whispers of God if we are daily filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So you are baptized in the Holy Spirit at one time, but then you got to keep on being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You don't remind, as a child, I used to hear testimonies of some of the brethren. God bless their hearts. They used to say, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, 1948. But then their life became nothing. They, they reached the goal. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a step to everything else that God has for you. It's not a goal. It's just an entering. Just like the people of Israel had to go through the Jordan River before the Promised Land, then you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit before you enter the Promised Land. The, the Red Sea was a sign of baptism in water. The Jordan River was in typology is the entering the baptism of the Holy Spirit before you can face the giants in your life. You enter into a land of blessing. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does. And so, but I need to make sure that I keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul said, speaking to yourself with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What are the spiritual songs? You speak in tongues unto the Lord. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to yourself with scriptures, psalms and spiritual songs. That's the importance. Um, Number three, we must believe with all of our heart when the Bible says that God wants an intimate communion with each one of us every day of our lives. You You must believe it with all your heart. God wants an intimate relationship with you. Unlike other religions, Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus. Thank God for the pastors. Thank God for your grandma. Thank God for your grandpa. But what about you? Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh Lord, look what you're doing in other people. Forget about that. Lord, I want you to do it in me. I want you to work in my life. Uh, It would be amazing to start the day 
most people in, most people in, in Toronto want to be in Florida. And I usually joke with them. I come from Australia where it's an amazing country when it comes to weather. And you guys don't want to be here. I'm the only one who wants to be in Toronto, you know. And, and the news, news says, oh, this winter is going to be a depressive winter. Really? Every winter they say that. The radio, it's going to be depressive. I can see why people are depressed today. Well, by you talking about it, you're making me more depressed. Man, when I shoveled the snow, I say, thank you, Lord, you brought me to Canada. I'm in the, in the center of your will. I know that you are with me. And many days I say, Lord, you're working millions of miracles today. Why don't you do some miracles with me? Let's do some miracles together. Have you ever prayed that? You and God are the majority. You and God can do amazing things. You and God. God is able to do above what you think or imagine. Don't stop there. Through His power are working you. God doesn't do without us. He does it with us. And He's able to do above what we think or imagine. Through His power. Which power? The power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. So every day you can get up in the morning and say, Lord, you're performing millions of miracles. Can we perform one miracle together? Come on, Lord, let's do it. Come on, I'm going to challenge myself to believe you more than ever. Friends, brothers and sisters, the Christian life is the most exciting life in the world. But you need to live it with Him and through Him. And you need to be at the right place at the right time with God. And you want to please Him above anything else and anyone else. Number four, learn to memorize verses that tell us about God, God's will for us and His wonderful promises. Because many times God speaks to you through a verse. God speaks to us through a verse. That's why the psalmist said, Psalm 119, I've kept your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because the word of God becomes protective. The word of God becomes a voice. And it's a good voice. Number five, we will have more divine sensations and whispers if we learn to obey and put them into action. Because I've learned this. Why would God speak to me if I'm not if he already knows I'm not going to obey? Why would God waste this time with me? Just like a parent, you ask your son, "Go and mow the lawn today." No, no, no. I want you to do it. No. After a while the parent will, will, will not ask again because they already know the answer they get. And God is exactly the same. God speaks to us. But if we don't hear and obey, He will not speak to us again. Uh, and so the, the importance of making sure that you're obedient. In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says, After David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died. After David had done the will of God. After accepting Jesus, what is the most important thing that God wants me to do? He wants me to fulfill His will and purposes. His will and purposes. Life is more exciting when you fulfill His will and His purposes. Um, people have asked me, Pastor, what, what are some of the, have you got regrets in your life? And really, I don't have too many regrets. Because in the best of my ability, Pastor Mickey and I have tried to fulfill the will of God in our lives. 
when I was going through terrible times in, in Toronto, I got back to, Lord, you called me. You called me, Lord. You called me, dear. You need to help me now. Lord, I'm here to fulfill your purposes. The best place to be is at the center of God's will for your life. But you need to learn to hear His voice and obey it. Just like Samuel. Hear His voice and obey it. And then life is a journey. Exciting journey. I usually, I usually tell people, I did not live one life. I've lived three lives. My life has been over exciting. I've done things I would never imagine to do. You notice where I come from. Many times I say, look where I come from. Impossible, all that has happened in my life. Impossible. But God made it possible because He has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, 13. I have a good plan for you to do you good, to prosper you in a good way. Prosper not just money, body, soul, and spirit. Prosper you. If you seek me, I'm going to make sure that that plan will be achieved in you. The best days are ahead of you if we keep on hearing God's voice and obey it. If you don't know Jesus today, will you give Him an opportunity to come into your life? The journey starts when you give your life to Jesus. Surrender all to Him. And all of us, all of us, let's make up, let's, let's take a decision. We will keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit every day so that we can discern God's voice so that we can be all that He wants us to be. Father, thank You for Your Word. Let it be a blessing to all of us. Father, those people that are making the first step toward You, save them, fully save them today. Father, all of us, fill us with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew on That. The Chew on That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.